ahead and turn your Bibles to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 17. And uh, I look forward to what God has laid on my heart. Let me read a few verses of Scripture to you tonight. We'll get right into the message, and then we're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 18 after we read three verses from the book of Proverbs, all right? The Bible says in Proverbs 17, verse 17, a very familiar verse. Many of us have memorized this. Proverbs 17, 17a. A friend loveth at all times. A friend loveth at all times. Aren't you thankful for friendships? Aren't you thankful and glad that God in His wisdom made us so that we would know and understand we need friends. And uh, I, I'm very appreciative for the hundreds and hundreds of friends that I have. Now, many of them are friends or acquaintances. And the truth of the matter is, uh, I have a few friends that are dear, close friends to me. But uh, I'm a friendly person. I try to be friendly. And I, I accumulate a lot of friends as a result of that. And it's a joy to know that you have an abundance of friends. I want you to look with me also in Proverbs 18, verse 24. 18:24. just turn your page, the next page. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Now, folks... Every now and then I encounter somebody that said, you know, I don't have any friends. I, I, don't, I don't know what the problem is. I just, I, I just don't really have any close friends. I don't have anybody to fellowship with. And this, that, and the other. Do you know the Bible has an answer for every problem under the sun? I, I, I don't care what it is. The Bible has an answer to every question, every topic, anything you need to know or want to know. Well, that's the answer for the problem of people who is friendless. If you don't have any friends, you know why? It's probably, and this may hurt you, but you're not friendly. The Bible says, a man that hath friends must show himself what? Friendly. Friendly. If you want some friends, go out and get some. I, I love this little poem. Brother Cordell, my father-in-law, he is home in heaven now. But Brother Cordell must have quoted this during the time that he was my pastor, which was 13 years when I was in Nashville, Tennessee, growing up at Woodbine Church, and then 15 years in Alabama, a little town called Guin. A tornado nearly blew that little town away, way back in 1974. But he said this verse again and again and again and pounded it in our hearts and minds to understand. Be a friend. I went out to find a friend but could not find one there. I went out to be a friend, and friends were everywhere. And so the difference is, just as wise Solomon recorded here, you want friends? Then go out and make some friends. And then I'm thankful for that last, last part. There's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. The greatest friend that any man, woman, boy, or girl could ever have is the precious Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about friendships tonight. Uh, traits of a friend, uh, the value of a friend, the qualities of a friend, how to have a friend. You can put any title there you want to to my message this evening, but we're going to 
uh, look at that. One last verse in Proverbs, it says in chapter 19, verse 4, Wealth maketh many friends. I guess so. If you've got money, seemingly you will attract people. Hey, you let somebody win the lottery and guess what? They'll get more cousins show up than they ever dreamed they had. Uh, I heard of a fella in Tennessee, and that's where I'm from, heard of a fella that won about a $28 million take-home lottery. And it was funny, in the Knoxville newspaper, he was quoted, he said, my family's much bigger than I ever dreamed it was. He said, I've got cousins calling me all over the state. And, uh, and so wealth is that way. You ask the prodigal son if money doesn't attract friends. And when the money ran out, you know what the friends did? They ran off. That's exactly what happened. And so the prodigal son finally went back home when he realized the best friend he had was his mom and dad. Now I invite you to turn your Bibles with me to the book of 1 Samuel. The book of 1 Samuel. And uh, we're, we're going to talk about a wonderful, an amazing friendship. You may already suspect as to who it is about, and I'll share that with you in just a moment. But I think about great friendships. I'm blessed with some friendships. I'm talking about friendships that have been a lifetime. I've got friends that I have been friends with for 25, 35, 45, and even, believe it or not, I still communicate with some friends from high school occasionally. And so that's been a long time ago. We'll not tell how long. But I think about great friendships of the Bible. Paul and Silas. Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Timothy. He had far more than one friend. He had many, many friends. I think about Moses and Aaron. You say, weren't they brothers? Yeah, they were. They were brothers and they were buddies. And they were partners in a great amazing effort at taking the children of Israel out of Egypt. We know Moses was the leader. And Aaron was too. And Aaron sadly made some mistakes. But you know what? Moses loved him. Moses loved his brother. I think about Naomi and Ruth. Man, what a love relationship. What a friendship that was. I think about Jesus and Martha and Mary and Lazarus. Boy, how they loved the Lord Jesus Christ. And how Jesus loved Lazarus. And Jesus even wept for Lazarus. And then I think about Peter, Paul, and Mary. Oh, excuse me, that's not a friendship. Uh, that was a group back in the 60s and 70s. And uh, just a little fun there. So we look at this amazing passage in the book of 1 Samuel. And I want to share uh, some thoughts here in verses 1 through probably verse 9. Keep your Bibles handy, if you will, and look with me. 1 Samuel chapter 18, the Bible says... And it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And David, and sorry, Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant. They made a vow about their friendship. Because, why? Because Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and gave him his garments and he gave him his sword and he gave him his bow and arrows and he gave him his belt or it's called the girl then. Look, 
Look, if you will, in verse 5. And David went out whithersoever King Saul sent him, and he behaved himself wisely. And Saul sent him over all the men of war, and he was, now listen to this word, this adjective that describes his relationship with the people of the country of Israel. Saul sent him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people, and also in the sight of all of Saul's servants. You know what? Everybody loved this young man. This courageous shepherd who went down in the valley, who took five smooth stones in his sling, and he was ready to take on the champion of the Philistines, and the people loved him for his courage, for his confidence in God Almighty, and we know what a difference maker he was. Verse 7, the Bible says, And the women answered one another as they prayed and said, Saul hath slain his thousands. Boy, what a great leader. What a great warrior. Saul has slain his thousands. And they continued the song and they added a new verse. And, they, and it goes on to say, And David his ten thousands. We've read that many times. And Saul was very wroth, and the saying displeased him, and he said, They have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and unto me ascribe but thousands. What can he have more than the kingdom? And the Bible says in verse 9, And Saul eyed David from that day forward. Well, a love relationship, a friendship was bonded on that day, that occasion. And Jonathan, he did everything in his power to encourage David, to help David, to protect David from his very own father. He even was willing to lay his life down if that's what it took. And I think about Jonathan's friendship. It was selfless. He gave and he gave and he gave. We read those items. It was steadfast. They made a covenant. They made it a bond. They made an agreement. You know, when I was a kid, it was still kind of popular. Sometimes boys would want to be blood brothers. And I didn't want to be blood brother with anybody because I didn't want to take my knife and put a little poke in my thumb or in my wrist or in my, my palm of my hand. And I did it two or three times. It was crazy. And, you know, we would press those palms together, we'd tie a rope around it, and supposedly the blood would flow from me to my friend and from my friend back to me. I don't think we ever had a transfusion not one time. But we became seemingly blood brothers. Well, they made a covenant. They made a vow. They didn't do anything quite like that. But they made a commitment. I'm going to be your friend for all of my life. And then there's a sacrificial friendship. Uh, Jonathan sacrificed a lot to be a friend to young David. Why? Because he learned later on in a couple of chapters, if you'll read 1 Samuel, it is sad, but King Saul had such a hatred for David that he even threw a spear on one occasion at his own son, Jonathan. He attempted to kill um, uh, uh, David, and then he even tried to slay his own son, and how sad that that was. So there was a sacrifice that he was willing to even die for for David. And then it was uh, 
it was another relationship in that they helped one another grow in the Lord and bond with one another. What kind of friend are you? What kind of friend are you? Or what kind of friend do you want to be? Well, I want to I talk to you, number one, about how to be a true friend and how important that this is to be a good quality friend to someone who needs a friend. Everybody needs a friend. God made us so that we need a friend. You know, I, I, I love the story. Dr. Tom Williams talks about the creation. And God looked upon everything he had made, and everything was what? It was good. It was good. Everything that God does is good. It's for a man's benefit, for our blessing, for our help, for our encouragement. And God made everything in the garden. He made those animals. He made the beautiful garden. I'm telling you, the temperatures were perfect. Not like winter that we're having. We've got a cold winter. We've got a wet winter. Uh, thankfully, we've not had ice and snow yet. Who knows what may happen even tonight. Uh, we've got some cold temperatures coming in. But the temperature was perfect. The environment was beautiful. The animals were something to behold. The, the, the trees and the garden and all the fruit and all that God provided, it was a perfect place almost. You know what was incomplete. You know what was missing. Adam needed a friend. Adam needed a companion. All the animals had one. And God in his wisdom, he put a deep sleep upon Adam and he made Eve. Dr. Tom Williams says, when, um, when Adam came out of that sleep, he tore up about four good acres in that beautiful garden. I'm telling you what, he was one happy man. He was a happy camper. Praise God, I've got my wife. I've got my mate. And uh, I've got, my, got the love of my life. And he certainly did. And I thank God for my wife. Uh, 45 years of marriage. And, and uh, it's just been a joy to have her as my wife and my very, very best friend. How do we know someone is a true friend? How do we know that? I think there are three things. Number one, a true friend sharpens. It, he, he or she will sharpen you. I love Proverbs 27, 17. Proverbs 27, 17 says, Iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth his countenance of his friend. True friendship will put an edge on your life. But false friends, they will dull your life. They'll blunt you and cause a bad influence. They'll drag you down. You know, when I was a teenager, I remember uh, uh, someone who came and preached to us as a youth minister. He was not our youth minister. We never had a youth pastor, which we did, but we had a lot of people who took interest in us. But they would invite people in to preach and teach us. I'll never forget this guy using a, a graphic illustration of, he said, pretend your life is a journey up a ladder. And you're climbing that ladder. You're doing your best to reach the very top and whatever the top is the achievement of. But we're climbing that ladder. And he said, if you're not careful, you'll have some friends that's behind you and they're constantly grabbing at your feet or constantly grabbing at your slacks or at the cuff of your pants and they're trying to hold on to you. They're trying to actually pull you down because they spiritually are not where you are. 
They're not interested in the things of God like you are. If you're growing in the Lord, you're trying to advance and live for God and make a difference in your life, then you need to stay away from those kind of people. Those people will keep you from advancing up that ladder. Teenagers, you need to listen to this. Children, elementary, young people, you need to be wise in choosing your friends. You need to be wise to pick people that are strong spiritually. People that will sharpen you. People that will help you grow in the Lord. Uh, you know, they say the birds of a feather flock together. Well, there are certain flocks of birds you don't need to be flying with. You don't need to hang out with. You don't, you don't need to fellowship with. You need to find people who believe this book, who love God, and want to do right. I like the old saying Bob Jones used to say, do right even if the stars fall out of the sky. Do right. And that needs to be a commitment of yours. Then number two, a true friend sticks. Or, as we said a while ago, David and Jonathan, they made a vow. They made a commitment. They made a, a covenant that they would be friends to one another. They'd love one another. You know what you call that? You call it steadfastness. And a good friend will stick with you and will be steadfast. And Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loveth at all times. We read that a while ago. And then thirdly, a true friend stabs. You say, stabs? I'm not interested in anybody stabbing me. Okay? I'm not either. But here's what I'm saying. I, I, nobody wants to be stabbed. But Proverbs 27, 6 says this, The faithful... No, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Wounds. And that's what he's illustrating. Like perhaps a knife cut, a stab, or piercing you saying something you may not enjoy. You may not like hearing this. You know, we kind of as teenagers, children, young people, young adults, we get tired of our parents telling us again and again and again these principles of life to live by, these rules that you ought to operate by, and all that kind of thing. And we kind of get weary of that. But the Bible says in Proverbs 27, 6, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. You see, a friend who really loves you, a friend who really cares about you, then they want to help you with spiritual surgery sometimes. They, they want to they be sure to tell you, hey, you're not doing the right thing, or you're not having the right spirit, or you shouldn't be doing that, or you should not be going there. And it could go on and on and on for time. I can't do that. But these hypocrites out there that claim to be your friends, they're urging you. They're encouraging you and challenge you to do things that you should not do. A true friend cares about you. Now, how about how to be a friend? I've got two or three simple points about that, and then we'll be finishing up with our message tonight. How to be a true friend? Well, relationships are built over a long period of time. It's not something that's fly by night. You know, it's funny how kids, they want to be friends, and they're locked in, and they're, they're best of friends, they're best buddies overnight, seemingly. But it's not the kind of friendship you know that is going to last for a very, very long time unless it's built upon day in, day out. And there's a give and take in every bit of that. And so it, it takes a lot of work 
Uh, you know, it takes a long time for an oak tree to grow, to mature, to become a magnificent tree. And they get huge, they get tall, and they produce those acorns. And then you can go out and plant even more uh, oak trees. That didn't happen overnight. You cut those trees and you begin to count those rings and you see those trees have been there for 40 and 50 and 60 and more years. I've seen some trees, uh, the, 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 the great uh, uh, tall trees that's out in California, the redwood trees in the forest, and I have been there and I've seen trees, I've been in the presence of trees that's been on earth for 2,000 years. It's incredible. And what magnificent trees. They didn't get there overnight. There are several things that we need to practice in order to build a great friendship. Number one, accept. Accept them. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6, God said that he made us acceptable to the beloved. He made us acceptable, excuse me, in the beloved. We all want to be accepted. Everybody wants to have friends. Everybody wants to be connected with someone else. And in order for you to build friends and be a good friend, you have to learn to accept them. They're going to have faults. They're going to have shortcomings. You know what Jesus said? I love this. He said this in John chapter 15, verse 16. He said, Ye have not chosen me. Uh-uh. I have chosen you. I selected you 12 disciples, and I take you as you are. You know what? Some of them had some real strengths, but all of them had weaknesses. Uh, were they perfect? Not a one of them. Not a one. There's only one that's perfect, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. But you know what? They were good men, and they listened, and they learned, and they became disciples. And you know what? You and I need to accept people. Number two, we need to acknowledge or recognize people. Give them your full attention. You know what I've learned? My dad taught me this as a teenager. Brother Cordell helped me with this. When you talk to people, you need to listen to them. When you talk to people, look at them in the face. Look at them in the eye. Give them your undivided attention, and they know that you're interested in them. It's a compliment for you to be a good listener and be able to repeat something that they've said. And to look at them like you're interested. You know, what a shame to be talking to somebody and they're always taking their eyes off something or looking over their head or looking beyond them. And they almost want to turn around and look at what you're looking at because you don't look. You don't look like you're paying attention to them. Look and listen and learn. Number three, appreciate. Appreciate. I appreciate my friends so very, very much. I, you know, recently, my wife and I have gone through the most difficult, the most traumatic thing that we've ever experienced in our life. Five weeks ago, this coming Monday, my son went home to be with the Lord. God took him from us very, very early, 34 years of age. And uh, a week, two weeks ago, I could not stand up here and say what I'm saying right now, but God has given me incredible grace, incredible strength, and amazing help. But God's not the only one that's helped me. I've had wonderful friends to help me. I thank God for my friends. I thank God for my family. I thank God for the strength that I've drawn from them and that the friendship that I have and how much I love and appreciate friends that stuck with us, who have encouraged us 
And uh, we need to express our appreciation for friendships. You know what I encourage you to do? I encourage you to tell them that you appreciate them. You need to tell people that you love them. I can't tell my son person to person, I love you anymore. I say it every day. Stephen, I love your memory. I love you, son. I wish you were still here, but I'm glad you're with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know you're in his presence. You need to tell your wife. You need to tell your husband. You need to tell your children. You need to tell your parents. You need to tell people that you love, that you appreciate them. And then let me close with this one. Assure them that you understand them. You know, we don't always know and understand what people are going through. People go through some pretty hard times, difficult times. When you see people, you don't always know what they're going through. You don't always understand their heart. You don't understand what's going on through their mind. You may not be aware of the pain. They may not share it with you. But there are a lot of people hurting. And we need to assure them that we empathize with them. That we love them. We pray for them. We're sensitive to them. We may not know what they're going through. They may not can identify exactly what we're going through. But they certainly need to know that you care. What kind of friend are you? Are you a loving friend? Are you a caring friend? Are you someone that acknowledges and appreciates? And, 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 and you know, the other points that we shared about uh, uh, accepting them, they need to hear that. They need to know that. And friend, let me just say this in closing. If you don't know the greatest friend that has ever been the precious Lord Jesus Christ, the friend that sticketh closer than a brother, a friend that loved you so much, loved me so much, that he went to a cross and he died for you. Friend, if you don't know that friend, you need to know him today. You need to pray and accept him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the opportunity to share your word, how we do love you. And we uplift your name and praise you. Thank you for the friendship that you have given us. And Father, I pray that you would help us to be the friends that you would have us to be. In Christ's name we do ask and pray. Amen.